Kicking and Streaming Podcast is brought to you by Cafe 1804. Premium Haitian coffee now available online at cafe1804.com. That's cafe, K-A-F-E, 1804.com. This is Kicking and Streaming Podcast, a binge watcher's guide to streaming movies, TV series, and stuff. Here are your hosts, Graham and Jocelyn. And hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Kicking and Streaming Podcast. My name is Graham, and with me today is the absolutely fantastic who today, by the way, is the very exclusive Aunt Jojo. Hello, <laughs> Jojo. <laughs> I you thought I wasn't going to do it. <laughs> how do you do? Uh, Jojo, I'm doing fine. How about yourself? How you, how you, how you doing? I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. I had a, a long, rough week, but uh, today's today's a good day. So uh, got 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 uh, some young blood. So it's, things are are happy. <laughs> the little folks are <laughs> the little folks are around. Yes, and, and Jojo is on duty. Yes. <laughs> Oh boy, Uncle Jeff is on duty, but uh, yeah, but during this <laughs> production, <laughs> they love him more than they love me anyway, so it's okay, it's good. Oh, uh, that's jealousy right there. Uncles, <laughs> we like that, though, you know what I'm saying? Uh, oh, yeah, man. yeah, uncles are the best, uncles are the best. Man, I have a couple of nieces in Florida, great nieces, by the way, I, they love me more than, than their moms love me. <laughs> My great nieces, <laughs> you know. Uh, I have my niece, Joaldin, in San Antonio, by the way. Shout out to Joaldin. Enduring the cold in, in, in all of this disaster in, in Texas, thankfully. Yeah. Last time I spoke with her, she still had electricity and she still had water. So. Oh, good. Yeah, that's... Uh, good. Yeah. I, I have uh, a friend... A uh, very dear friend who I haven't seen in a long time, but I miss her. But I I just found out that she's been without electricity and water since all of this happened. So I mean, Texas, get your crap together, man. <laughs> Jesus, you know, we 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 left, we landed a car on Mars, you know, and it all went smoothly. Yeah. <laughs> that was perfect, but you know, let's let's have uh, basic necessities of, of heat and water for the folks in Texas, and that's. Eh, and okay. you know what's been pissing me off is that every single person who is of the conservative pers- persuasion that I've spoken to. The only thing they seem to think messed up the entire thing is, oh, the wind turbine. The wind turbine, right? <laughs> I've heard people talk about that, too. And I, I've, I have not, not had something make me so unreasonably angry yeah. in a long time. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's the kind of thing that makes me want to kick somebody. It's, I, I, I <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, no, you're right. Like, I've been... I'm like, oh, so that's what you're gonna go with? Okay, let's stop this. Right, I'm, I'm not even going to talk. Yeah, to you. like, like, yeah. no, I can't talk to you anymore. Just shut up, seriously. Just shut up and go I away. Mean, it's 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 amazing that now you would come and tell me wind turbines don't work in hard winter. Meanwhile, <laughs> meanwhile, in southern Europe, <laughs> it's basically the main source of power. And it works. Yeah. But your yeah. ass but the cheap fucking blades because you could not mm-hmm. force in 2016, Ted Cruz 
tweeted something that has not aged well, by the way. <laughs> you know, like every every one of them do. They tweet shit, and then they, after that, they have to eat it back. He's, oh, you mean Mr. Cancun? <laughs> Mr. Cancun. <laughs> Mr. Cancun. Literally, Ted the Cruz. <laughs> 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 you know, he posted, I'll believe in climate change when Texas freezes over. But this is a good yes. way to remind him that, anyway. <laughs> it is. It is. Hey, Texas is froze over so, and people are suffering. Do you believe now? He's just gonna fucking jet off to to Cancun, you asshole. It's, yeah, that's right. Sorry, Cancun. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So let's get to the to the issue at hand here. <laughs> <laughs> My friends, we rant. We uh, some sometimes, not all the time, we do a little bit of political ranting and shit. But hey. Uh, that's that's this is what we do. We're human beings, yeah, and we, and we, and live, we live in this world. So <laughs> yeah. we yeah. live in this country of absurd politics. <laughs> Today we are discussing the movie Judas and the Black Messiah. Judas and the Black Messiah is the first movie that we had an opportunity actually to attend a virtual screening of about two or three days before it came out. Um, I, I was able to 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 watch the premiere on this virtual screening, and I immediately thought, you know, this is an absolutely remarkable movie. And one of the things that makes it remarkable is because the director of this movie, Shaka King, decided to do this project, but he was actually so disenchanted before that he wanted to stop making movies altogether. And meanwhile, you know, his great greatest project probably was around the corner. <laughs> what do you say, Jojo? Yeah, yeah. I, um, I, I think it's funny that seems to happen sometimes to very talented people. It's one of those, oh, I, I you know, I'm not, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm throwing in the towel and then something fabulous happens next and, is, and proves to them that, uh, no, we, we still need you. <laughs> Come back. <laughs> yeah, yes. And <laughs> I'm I'm happy for him, but also I'm happy for the reception that this movie has gotten. I think I think it it it's a movie that is fitting for the time and it makes us understand why movements that are alive today that are spurred on by uh as a result of racial injustices, are still looked upon as pretty much the same way that the, that the Black Panther w- was looked upon. Having said that, this is not necessarily a movie about the Black Panthers. It's not necessarily a movie about Fred Hampton, as a matter of fact. It's the story of how Fred Hampton got betrayed, but this is not a biopic of Fred Hampton, and I felt like I've always felt obligated to say that. In that case, Jojo, would you like to take the floor and <laughs> synopsize this movie for us? <laughs> I I will do my best. I feel um, woefully inept at this one, and uh, but I, I I will try try my best. Um, you got this. So... Jojo. You got this. <laughs> So this is the story of of the Black Panther movement, but also 
mainly about, as we have in the title, Judas, the story of Judas, of Bill O'Neill, who infiltrates the Black Panther Party through the help of the FBI. And it is the story of his struggle to, I think, beginning to think that at first he was helping the quote-unquote good guys and then realizing that this was completely different than what he thought it was. It's the story of his soul-searching. It's the story behind what really happens when you sell your soul and what you believe in for material things, for, for selfish reasons. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Is that yes. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I told you you got this, JoJo. It's because I believe you got it. Right. <laughs> so let me, again, I do this all the time. What do you think of this movie, JoJo? This movie is, it's a phenomenal movie. And it is so, it made me feel woefully inadequate with anything that I know about anything, <laughs> frankly, which is a good thing. I'm, I'm happy about that because I, I don't want to feel like, oh, yeah, I knew that. I knew that. I, this is a movie that made me want to and begin to do some more research and read some more things and, 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 and try to understand more about the story of the story behind the, the movie, the story about um, all the people involved, about J. Edgar Hoover and the Black Panthers and the, the different players in this story. So for me, this movie, like I said, made me feel like a, a, an idiot, but I'm, I'm, I'm happy for that. And I am happy to have the opportunity to live in a time where I can find the information and read about what's going on or watch documentaries or whatever. I have a lot of, of media available to learn more about this, but the movie itself is, is phenomenal. The acting, the performances are phenomenal. And the story is such an incredibly human story, a real discussion of the trouble of the human condition and our what happens when we compromise ourselves. Right. And and so here's the thing, Jojo. I I love this movie because like you say, it 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 is a little bit more complicated than that. Even though the title is like strictly black and white in the sense that Judas and the Black Messiah. So you know that there is a Messiah and you know that there is a Judas. But at at the end of the day, when you watch the movie, you have to stop pondering right now. Okay, so what happened and was Bill O'Neill really a bad guy? Did he really sell out Fred Hampton? There is the whole history of who provoked who and, and how did we end up here? Was In fact, you have to ask yourself, was the Black Panther movement actually as violent and violent prone, sorry, as his recent history seemed to depict it. All of yes. this you learn. And by the way, this is slightly fictionalized, but it's pretty, pretty close 
to reality because it's recent history and there's not a lot that you can deviate from that. Is there, Jojo? No, it's very true. It's recent history. It's recent enough that there is news footage of some of these events. You know, there are survivors. There, there's still people alive that were there and saw it with their own eyes that can talk about it. So it's it's not something that can... <laughs> Of course, with any sort of historical thing, you know, it can be written or whatever, but this one is is not as easy to sweep under the carpet or, or whitewash or, or whatever you want term you want to use because there are still people who will happily talk to you about, no, this is what actually went down. There's a good article in the Smithsonian Magazine online about the story behind it. I, I like the Smithsonian Magazine. I feel like they're a, a pretty good new source for for things and they they really get into uh, the dramatization the things that did and didn't happen and i i think it's a, a good article and kind of a good jumping off point for for learning more about the real live players in this in this movie. so one thing i would like to do is that if you could just throw me a link of that and we will include it yeah. in the show notes because it is important that it, i'm sure that like you and myself a lot of people are gonna are gonna take an interest into what what the the true story is about. But to be honest, this movie is pretty pretty faithful to to yes. the story. And so let's talk about some of the elements here. So Fred Hampton, uh, at the time he was assassinated, he was twenty one years old. That's. That's so mind-boggling. That's so... 21. Yeah. 21. That's like one of those things. That, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It makes you think, what the fuck did I do with my life? Think about, think about how the U.S., the mighty U.S. government was so afraid, so rattled by a 21-year-old black activist. Right? Yeah. So (laughs) you have to ask yourself, there were a bunch of 21-year-olds and older that were at the Capitol riot. (laughs) Some of them have been released to their parents. There's, There's a young lady who features very prominently during the riot. You can see her on camera. She goes to a judge and cries, and the judge gives her an absolutely magnificent lecture of, you know, the rights that are available to anyone in the United States, including the, the right to due process and, and fairness and all kind of shit. And because of that, I want you to understand that this is why you've been released to your mother. So if you fuck up again, if you fuck up again, then those rights will be taken away. But for now, you get to enjoy those rights. But yet, a 21-year-old black activist gets murdered, clearly murdered, and and, and, and with, with months of, of the plotting by one of the chief law enforcement people in the United States. 
And uh, yeah, nothing happened. Nothing happened. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's very, very telling for 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 all of us. It's something that we all need to be aware of. That that it doesn't. If the government deems you a threat, you are going to be taken out, and it really doesn't matter what you are, who you are, or what you think you stand for. It can turn on a dime. It can turn on the flip of a coin, and and you can be deemed a threat and taken out. And if you think that they won't do that, you're crazy. Yeah. <laughs> That's on you, my friend. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk. Let's yeah. talk about Bill O'Neill because I feel like this is a character that needs to be studied a bit more, and you cannot just just oversimplify this character. And by the way, the breakout star in this movie is Lakeith Stanfield. <laughs> Lakeith Stanfield, I, I don't know. He might be an actor that you, you've never heard of prominently featured. He, he's been around. But, but Lakeith Stanfield steals all the scenes in this movie. And, you know, I know that the movie has some nominations and Daniel Kaluuya has some nominations for his portrayal of Fred Hampton. But, yeah, we should look very seriously at Lakeith Stanfield because the man is an absolutely fantastic actor, isn't he? He is fantastic. I first really saw him in something when he was in Get Out, and then he was also in Knives Out in a small part, but he brought so much to the small part that I, I was like, what is he doing? He's such, why are they wasting him on this small part? Because he's such a fabulous actor. But he was perfect in the small part. Like, I'm, I'm glad that he was, he was in that part because he, he brought so much to it. But in this movie, as you said, this is, this is a, a, a masterpiece. Yeah, yeah. So when you think about the, the character of, of, of Bill O'Neill, I like the fact that they call it Judas in The Black Messiah. But also, there are some incredible parallels because you have to ask yourself, does he deserve to be called Judas? And if you know the situation, the circumstances of real Judas, Iscariot, versus Bill O'Neill, who in this case is called, is being called the Judas, you will see those parallels, right? So we've yes. been educated yes. to believe that Judas sold Jesus out because, yeah, he just liked money and he was a bad guy. You know, there's always a bad apple. But if you go a, a bit further into theology, if you go a little bit further into history, you will see that Judas really was just a disappointed disciple, right? Yes. Because... Yes. Everybody had a different idea of who and what the Messiah would be. And in Judah's mind, the Messiah was going to be a revolutionary, some dude that was going to come around with guns ablaze and fucking save the, uh, the people from the Roman Empire. And he slowly started to discover 
that Jesus was not about that life, <laughs> right? Right. And so right. <laughs> because he realized, man, I'm wasting my time with this nigga, you know, just, you know, putting his hand on lepers and shit in 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 giving people fish and bread. That's not the kind of Messiah I was looking for. So this nigga's an imposter. So the first opportunity I get, fuck him, right? So here, <laughs> you see disappointment, you see a reasoning, you understand, you get to understand what was going on, Judas's state of mind when you analyze why he became a traitor, why he sold Jesus out, right? But yeah. in the case of Bill O'Neill, was that what's going what was going on here? I don't think so. I don't think the the case is that is that clear, is it? No, I don't I don't think so either. And I, I think the you know the the case of, of Judas Iscariot is I think the the ending of his story is proof enough of the way he actually felt about what he did. Right. <laughs> if right. that makes sense. So I, I and and there's correlations there with Bill O'Neill. So I I think that you know that there is you can't just say of course Judas the, the name Judas has a has a terrible connotation right. now as 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 just as just a word right. but but when you when you look at the person it's it's somebody who was as you said was disillusioned was tempted and realized that he'd done a horrible thing and never forgave himself for it and it's 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 a very I don't I hate to say simple but it it, it isn't simple it's 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 a it's a human nature story yes and 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 very much the 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 way that we are as human beings and and a, a demonstration of that and i think that this movie also is brings that to light in the sense of how much how much soul searching that you do and then when you realize that you've probably done the wrong thing and a really bad wrong thing what that actually does to us as human beings, to our to our psyches. Yes, and and so in the case of Bill O'Neill, for instance, we know that the whole thing was about Bill O'Neill saving saving Bill O'Neill, right? I, I don't know. First of all, one, I don't think that from the very beginning he knew what was the ultimate plan with with Fred Hampton. That, that I don't know that he knew that there was a a plot to actually kill him. He learns that. He learns of that. And from that moment on, he's like, yo, if that's what y'all want to do, then I'm out. Yeah, I, I agree yeah. with you completely. And I and, and I don't think that the government would have let him in on that plot yeah. until very close to its fruition because they wouldn't have wanted to, they would have wanted to be, you know, sure of his loyalty or, or whatever. So I, I don't believe that he knew that. And I mean, coming from a time when people were a little more trusting of government, e even people in the, in the situation that he was in, they would have been like, well, there's no way that the United States government is going to do that. You know, the last thing 
One of the last things that was fresh in people's minds was World War II, right? Where all the propaganda was how wonderful the U.S. was, and, yeah. and they were the good guys and all that stuff. That got disillusioned a bit with the, with the Vietnam War. However, in, in, in a lot of people's minds, it's, well, we're, we're the good guys. We're not going to really do anything horrible. You know, he might he might end up in prison. Yeah, exactly. He, he was more like, well, the last the, the least they could do is just throw him in prison, much in the same way that right. they did with Bobby Seale and and, and right. Huey. But but that's that's not what. And you have to see how sinister J. Edgar Hoover was. And as a matter of fact, from uh, thanks to that to this movie, a lot of people have renewed the calls for. J. Edgar Hoover's name to be removed from the FBI headquarters. It really needs to be because he was a foul individual. He was a historically foul, racist, absolutely bad faith actor. And he was one of those people that no one liked. Nobody. Yeah, he, yeah, and 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 not in the sense of oh, I don't like you because you're a taskmaster or whatever. I don't like you because you are awful. You are an, an abomination of a human being, and I'm not even sure you have the right to call yourself a human. You might just be dirt. Yeah. So, I, that might be an insult to dirt. <laughs> just to give you an idea of who J. Edgar Hoover was, J. Edgar Hoover sort of like founded the FBI and died as the FBI director. And the way he managed to do that is because he managed to compile a file on every person running for president in the United States. Any person, any candidate who made it to their, past their primary of their parties and became the nominee for their party, J. Edgar Hoover managed to get a file on you of anything that could be compromising. And then if you finally won the presidency, the moment he met with you, he would suddenly sort of like make you understand, you're not planning on kicking me out, right? Because I have shit on you. (laughs) And it wasn't a threat because it's sort of like how the mob would come to you and say, this is a nice restaurant you got here. It would be a shame if something happened to it. That was there you go. <laughs> yes. 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 And uh, total interest only in himself and his agenda. And uh, I'm sure he would, if he didn't, he probably would have happily kicked his grandmother under a bus to get any sort of information he possibly could that would. And by the way, uh, Jager Hoover was one of the most homophobic person in the U.S. government while he was a closeted homosexual himself, right? That's how it works. That's, that, that's <laughs> J. Edgar Hoover. So there is a very powerful moment here when he meets with Roy Mitchell, the FBI agent who, who sort of like, uh, how, how do you say this, brought in, recruited, recruited. Bill O'Neill. And, and you could see how uncomfortable the conversation is for Roy Mitchell because this dude literally asked him, what are you going to do when your daughter brings a Negro to your house? He's like, like what? <laughs> How, why are we talking about my daughter here? Like he 
answer that, sir, with all due respect, but why are we talking about my daughter? You know. But when you see these things, and, and this is obviously fictionalized. No one could have known of this conversation. I don't know. But it, it's no, it's not a far-fetched conversation that could take place because this guy had that kind of animus towards black, black, black people especially black activists like Dr. King, Malcolm, Fred Hampton, Huey. Uh, like he was deathly afraid of a black revolution, quote unquote. So yes. yeah, this is not far-fetched, not at all. No, no, it's not. He, he would have, he, yeah. So he, I, who knows how many deaths he's responsible for. Ultimately, how much blood he has on his hands. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that if there is an afterlife, he probably is like chilling up there with Hitler and whatever. <laughs> yeah, I agree. There's no, there's no way in hell. I agree. He's not in hell. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so let's, let's talk about the cast a little bit here. So Daniel Kaluuya is, I have to say, he's magnificent on this one. He is... He is Fred Hampton. Uh, you know, if you if you if you look at the archives, look at the, if you look at at all the footage, man, he he looked, he studied this character, and he did it absolutely. Did. Yeah, he is an actor that I am a huge fan of. I've I enjoyed his uh, performance in Get Out. I enjoyed him in Sicario. He's just everything he's ever been in has been has been very, very, very good. He he puts in a great performance, and uh, I look forward to seeing him on screen. Oh, yes, he's doing it, and and I even still I still believe that he's a bit underrated. I don't know why. I I'm agree. under the impression I, that he's underrated. Is it? I I agree. I I don't I don't feel like people talk about him as much, yeah. but they they need to because he's 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 great. He is. He's, he's he's marvelous. I like that they paired him with Dominique Fishback, and you and I we've talked about Dominique Fishback. We we're kind of like sort of like the founders of Dominique Fishback's, Fishback's fan club. She yeah. is such a fantastic little actress. I love this she girl, is. man. Yes, she's 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 marvelous. She really, really is. There were a couple of, of actors who stood out. Ashton Sanders as Larry Robertson, Algie Smith as Jake Winters. But before we talk about Lakeith Sanfield, who we've talked about a bit already, what do you think of Jesse Plemons, man? He kind of played this character way too well. <laughs> He is he is an actor that I, I I see him called all the time, and I think this is cruel. The fat Matt Damon, <laughs> and I I just that bothers me because I know that actors are you that's know it wrong. is about how you look, but it's just that that's wrong. But I th- I think that he is very underrated. He's been in many many things and is. There's an episode of Black Mirror that he's in that he is so creepy and and so he's so 
he takes the character from being just this sort of innocuous sort of just a dude to this unbelievably maniacal, terrifying thing. And he's so good at it. And you don't expect it from him. And I hate it. Because part of it is because he's got these like chubby, chubby little cheeks, exactly. And he just look, he just looks so sweet and like out of time or something. I don't know, but he's he's a great actor. He really is, and he's I I guess he has his niche as as a character actor, but he he was good in this, and and I I was sort of surprised to see him cast. I don't know why I was expecting a different sort of person to be cast, a different sort of actor. Um, but he uh, he was very, very good in this. And I, I always enjoy oh, well, his, that, his performances. That role, that, role, that role was made for him, though. My God. Yeah. <laughs> he was yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. Once I saw him in it, it was just kind of a head tilt thing when I read about it. I was like, huh? Okay. The, the thing about the character he plays here is that you have every reason to be scared of him, but at the same time, not because he is provoking that anxiety. Like, he comes off as someone, a very affable dude, right? Like, yeah, I'll have a beer with you, man. Like, I mean, you you look like the kind of, you know, white dude that I, I would go to the pub with. But then... Once a fight break out, he had knives and he, you know, he, he had a machete and shit. He had a machine gun. I'm like, damn, where did you get all that? You know what I mean? <laughs> That's the kind of dude. <laughs> you know, those dudes that you really like, this is a guy that you want to hang out with. You want to take, you want to go out drinking at the pub and shit. But he turns out to be the most dangerous of all of you. And like, yeah, fuck the police. You're like, yo, come on, man. We're, we're not about that. <laughs> that to me is the, the kind of character that he played because he was he was he was a conniving badass dude, man. He the way he cornered William O'Neill to get him what he wanted, and the moment had he actually had, I'm done being you know playing the good guy with you. Now I'm gonna show you what kind of motherfucker I am. He did, yeah. And I was like, yeah. whoa. And I think that's when Bill O'Neill started to feel, wow, this is it. I'm done. I'm done. Yeah. yeah. So so great performance. There were too many great performance there, performances there for him to, to be noticed enough for a, a nomination. I don't know. But I think actually it was a performance that, that would easily deserve a nomination. No. Maybe he, not win something, but deserve a nomination. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he was very very good in this. He's like I said, I always enjoy his performances and his take on things. His one of the most recent things I saw him in was uh, I'm thinking of ending things, which is is an, a very strange mm-hmm. little movie for anybody who's seen it. But he's so good in it as well. He he sort of plays a. Uh, someone who's descending into madness is the best way to describe it. And he's, it's, he, he's just this sort of like Midwestern 
like you said, sweet guy, like, oh, you know, we, we could hang out, we could go go to a bar or whatever. And, you know, I wouldn't have to worry about, you know, you you doing anything <laughs> inappropriate or whatever, you know what I mean? And like, it, but in the movie, again, he just takes it in this very terrifying direction and in such a natural way yes. as well. It's not, it's not really jarring. It's like, Oh, you really were that way all the time, and I—I'm the one who didn't notice. Like you—I'm—you you were okay. All right. Yeah, like hey, I didn't see that coming, dude. So uh, let's just take a taxi and go home, because yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. What do you think about Martin Sheen in the character of Jake Hoover? I felt it was a bit too plastified. To, um, uh, yeah. Yeah, I I I have problems when they use a huge amount of prosthetics yeah. and makeup and things and it's very yeah. obvious. I feel like if they were going to do that to use a less well-known actor yeah. because I I know what Martin Sheen looks like and what he's supposed to look like and having that was jarring for me. It it, it, it I couldn't really pay much attention to his performance. Exactly. I was more focused on the prosthetics. I I I feel like if they like if they picked a less well-known actor and used prosthetics that maybe that wouldn't have been as jarring and it, it, it would have come through better. I don't know. It's just, or maybe it's just me. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. You like, we've talked about this before that sometimes they cast actors to play certain characters that they, it doesn't necessarily have to be a famous one. I'm sure, I'm sure that somewhere, somewhere in Hollywood, there's more than one agent with pictures of somebody who looked like, of an actor who who could easily look like J. Edgar Hoover. And so the fact that they cast Martin Sheen and then they had to so heavily, so heavily use prosthetics, it's distracting. You know it's Martin Sheen. He doesn't even look really like J. Edgar Hoover in the end. And it's it's just it's just that. It's just like a bad, bad, bad acting. I don't know. Or whatever, dude. Like I I wasn't. I wasn't a fan. Uh, the, uh, plus, he 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 sounded he sounded like the president he played on the on the West Wing. Anyway, so I was like, no, not cool, not cool, not cool. Yeah, I I I, I agree. I they I think either don't use prosthetics, just let the actor act however they think, and and the have the performance be the impersonation as yeah. opposed to the prosthetics. Or if you really want somebody that look, looks like him, find an actor that looks like yeah. him. Yeah, because at the end of the day, J. Edgar, Ho- J. Edgar Hoover wasn't that much public of a figure. Like he wasn't in in the front line as much for anybody to say, "Well, that doesn't sound like J. Edgar Hoover." That doesn't, you know, he doesn't. Right, he wasn't like, like a JFK right. or a Nixon mm-hmm. or anything like yeah. that. So I mean, if 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 the look was a little off, but the performance of just how foul he was yeah. was right, then who who cares? I, I I couldn't tell you what he looked like, honestly. Yeah. I'm I'm all confused now from the prosthetics. So, <laughs> well, anyway, he was an ugly motherfucker too. Uh, yeah, too. he was, man. He was. Finally, let's. Go back to the men of the hour. I think somebody must have decided already that like Heath Stanfield is an is an actor that need to be seriously looked at and considered for every serious 
role out there that they may have passed on what do you think yeah yeah i um i hope that this skyrockets his career i i hope that he uh gets all the things cuz he is he is so good he is so watchable and so uh, watching his face and watching the way that he can portray emotions so delicately he is is just he is a phenomenal actor and criminally underrated yes. and deserves to be in all the things i think watching him playing bill o'neill for me and i think he does that perfectly is that he's playing a character that you as the viewer know that you shouldn't trust but only you can tell only you from the point of view of the viewer can tell because to anyone in the story he is that guy you can trust but like yes. he's playing it's almost as if he wants you to know as the viewer that he's not good but then he can sell himself so good to the to the to the rest of the cast in the story that you're like wow this is so cuz like there were moments where where I'm like how do you not know that this guy is you know what I mean like this is it like he's doing everything in the book of the guy that is trying to deflect suspicion but he's selling it so good <laughs> that you would be offended at the thought of thinking maybe this motherfucker is the one who's been who's the rat yeah. <laughs> you know that's how yeah. good of a performance this guy put together he, he he you saying that made me think of it this way that he he really turned in two performances one for the rest of the the cast yeah. And then one for the audience. So the the audience, we we see the the multifacetedness of of him, but the the cast, the 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 rest of the 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 players, only see the one side, the trustworthy side, and uh, so that's that made me think that. So let me ask you this, Jojo. So so some of the complaints that people have is that you know this movie is more. It's sort of like glorifying a snitch as opposed to being a biopic on on Fred Hampton. What what, what do you think about this this complaint? Because I, I don't I don't see it. I don't understand it. Like I, like why not tell the story of Judah as opposed because like that of Jesus Christ has been told so in so many languages in so uh, in so so many times. Why can why can't we tell the story of Judah? Yeah, I, 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 I don't. I understand what people are trying to say. I think in the fact that they they only want to hear about the good guy as opposed to yeah. the villain. But I think that this gives you an insight into everything that was going on that is impossible to have if you don't have if you don't have the story of the person who was playing both sides, if you will. He, he, he played both sides and 
paid the consequences for doing that. And I, I think that it's a story that really helps. It, it's, it's a way of telling the story that really helps you have a lot of insight into everything that was going on. I don't think it glorifies him in the slightest. I don't think it makes him the hero of the story or anything like that. I think it is just an very important breakdown of, of the human condition and of what happened to bring down you know, the movement yeah. and, and that sort of thing. So I, I think that's an important part of the story that needs to be told. If you only focus on the the pure and the true, the, the, you lose a lot of, of perspective and, and facets of the story. So I, I, I think I understand what people are trying to say, but I, I don't think it's a valid complaint. And I mean, if they want to tell the story of, of Mr. Hampton, then make your movie. Make a movie about yeah, him. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. If you can't find the book that you're looking that you're looking for, write it. Yeah. 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 You're right. I think also the last thing I, I, I'd like to say about Bill O'Neill is that one of the things that guilt will do to you is it makes you tell yourself a story that's good enough for you to stay alive. Yes. And there are footage of, uh, towards the end of the movie, of an interview that Bill O'Neill gave where the last question he was asked was, what would you like your kid to think about you for what you did? And he gave a very poignant Answer something that you could tell that he had rehearsed in his head for a long time, and it came out perfectly in, and it made sense. But meanwhile, on the night that that interview was broadcast, he committed suicide. So, it it's it's aptly titled Judas and the Black Messiah. But I did want to show that there were some differences in the circumstances under which each one of these two individuals, one that perhaps is fictional and one not, uh, found themselves before they betrayed the their, their so-called Messiah. So... Yeah. Jojo, what are your last words on this one, on this movie? I think that everybody should watch it. If you're on the fence about watching it, watch it. And uh, and if it calls to you to do some research and some reading, and if it has some correlation with you with what's going on in today's world and environment, start start educating yourself. Start reading. Start learning, and uh, find out. Find out, but but if you're on the fence, watch watch the movie. Watch it. Yes. And with that, we want to thank you for listening today. And uh, we would like to invite you to, if you listen to us on any of those apps, especially if it's Apple Podcasts, go ahead and give us a little quick review. And also follow us on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, and also you will find this episode on our YouTube channel. 
that's where it ends up every Friday at noon. <laughs> you can find Jocelyn on Instagram when she comes back to posting on it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Jocelyn Podcast. And I am Mr. Puzzetta. That means M-R-P-U-Z-Z-E-T-T-A. M-R-P-U-Z-Z-E-T-T-A. On this beautiful day that you listen to this podcast, this is goodbye. Thank you very much. Thank you, everybody. Thank you for listening to Kicking and Streaming Podcast. If you found value in our content, please subscribe and share. We would also be delighted to hear what you think of this podcast. So please rate us by writing a quick review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform. Follow us on all major social media platforms such as Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Pinterest. Join the conversation happening today on our Facebook group.